0: Uh, We are in a season of Advent. Advent just means arrival, or it's celebrating the coming of Jesus. It actually began last Sunday, and so uh, I don't have a ton of experience with Advent, frankly, uh, but I am trying to get better, uh, and this is a part of our value to live whole, uh, is to learning how to practice uh, different aspects of of the church calendar uh, and leveraging them so that uh, following Jesus uh, intersects with other aspects of my life. And so this season of Advent is an opportunity for us to celebrate the arrival of Jesus. Uh, I also, at the same time, uh, we, we're on the other side of this. Like we're, We weren't waiting for the Messiah to come. The Messiah has come. And as he has come, died, rose again, we are looking forward to his future return, where he will make everything new again, and we cannot wait for that those days as well. So, but typically with Advent, uh, at least this is how we're going to celebrate: it, is there's a prayer that's read, and there's also a, a passage of scripture that's read, and you light candles. This week is, is emphasis is on on peace, uh, and so uh, today I have a, a, a Psalm 23 is the passage we're going to read, and then we'll go straight into a prayer. So read, read along with this with me out loud. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He lets me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare feasts for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Merciful God, who sent your messengers to the the, the prophets to preach repentance and prepare the way for salvation? Give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins. That we may re- greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ our Lord, the Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen, amen. So a guy I went to school with his, his name's Glenn Packiam, um, and he has he he quotes this. This is from his Twitter a few years back. He says, "In Advent, the Church stands between two proclamations: God has come, uh, and come, Lord Jesus." The first grounds are confidence that the second will be answered. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus shape our hope in the return, reign, and renewal uh, to come. And so again, so we are our, the way that we celebrate Advent would have been different than someone uh, prior to Jesus' coming. And we're going to be looking at three people over the next three weeks um, who, uh, if you read the Old Testament, there's plenty of people who, Look like they potentially could be the Messiah, or they could be, um, they could be God's chosen one to come and to, to make everything right. Or they could be the, the, the answer to the riddle right of humanity and their brokenness. Uh, and they ended up falling flat. And uh, and so, but what we want to do over the next few weeks is is we want to 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 see um, we want to see the influence or not the influence. It's the wrong phrase. We want to see. Um, what it would be like to be maybe an Israelite who serves God, uh, knows that there's this promise of this future anointed one, this saving one, um, but it hasn't come to fruition yet. And, uh, and, and what it would look like for to see these moments where um, it, it almost looks like it could happen, and then it's just gone, and it's just ruined again by humanity as well. And so, from the very beginning of Genesis, we see the promises for God to be His representatives, his image bearers, to rule and reign God's good world. And so, but the fall happens, uh, but we're left with this promise, right? That the that that Eve's, the seed of Eve would crush the serpent's head uh and from that point on in the garden everything between humanity and all of creation had been waiting for the day when things would go back to to what it was again so romans 8 actually alludes to this uh and it says this for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now and not only the creation but we ourselves who have been uh, who have the first fruits of the, uh, of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoptions as sons the redemption of our bodies for in this hope we were saved not hope that is seen uh, is not hope for who hopes for what he sees but if we hope for what we do not see we wait for it with patience and so prior to jesus coming it talks about creation like yearning groaning for him to come to make it right and there's a little bit of resolution um, for us now on post uh, death and resurrection of jesus uh, yet our hope turns again to his future coming to make it right, and so uh, this Christmas season, we're, gonna, we're reminded that we're patiently waiting for our hope of redemption. We celebrate the birth of Jesus, but we haven't lived uh, in this pre-Jesus time. So we wanted this Christmas season to take a look at what it might been, what it might have been like to be in a pre-Jesus context. Like, what would it look like to be anticipating Jesus' coming or the Messiah coming? Um, and and so we'll be looking this week. We're looking at uh, Isaac, Abraham's son. Next week, we're looking at Moses. And then the week after that, we're going to be looking uh, at uh, David as well. Now, the idea of Messiah, it it comes in a little bit later, but there are undertones uh, of this idea that God is going to do a work that go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, and that's kind of where we're pulling this idea. So let's first look at Isaac. So if you don't know who Isaac is, uh, he is the, the, the son of Father Abraham. And frankly, we're going to be talking a little bit about Abraham so we can see how Isaac kind of blows it as well. And if you've been with us, this is actually where we left off our series in Genesis recently. We just ended Genesis chapter 11, story of Tower of Babel, and 10 and 11, and then now we are... Going into Genesis chapter twelve, just for a few minutes, as, until we get to Isaac, we have got to tell the backstory, and, and 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 we talked a little bit about this, but this is this is what this is the promise that, that that God or Yahweh says to Abram. He says, "The Lord has said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing." I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And all people, peoples on earth, will be blessed through you. And so again, so Genesis 12 kind of re-picks up this idea, or you can loosely connect it to the idea of Genesis 3 about the seed of uh, Eve will be the one that crushes the serpent's head, and the serpent is this sly, evil person, and that's what this 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 human offspring is going to be, and so and, and and then you get the promise that Abraham there's going to be a, his through his family, there's gonna, all families of the earth will be blessed, and so you almost get this feeling of like we're getting back on track. I know we just talked about Babel, but like there's a guy named Abram, and maybe through his family things will get figured out as well. And again, to, to understand Isaac's failure, we have to see Abram's. And so a- Abram, Abram was amazing. I mean, he he was told to leave his family and to go, and he did it. He went. He went to the land that God showed him. How crazy is that? Like, I don't know if you've ever moved across the country before, or God told you to go somewhere new. Um, about ten years ago, uh, this is before I was married. Uh, I had the opportunity. I was in a season of transition, and I had the opportunity. To go somewhere new, and I really felt like God was telling me to move to Colorado. And now that sounds like you know, so a buddy of mine was telling me that his friend wants to plant a church in Hawaii. Of course, God's telling you to do that. Yes, God, sign me up for that. Um, but I, it, for me, like, I Colorado was great. I lived there two years. But I, I loved my family. Like, I, I didn't want to leave Georgia, I didn't want to leave all of that. And um, but. Uh, but I really believe that God told me to go. And so, in 2011, New Year's Eve, going into 2012, got in my car and I drove with a buddy of mine all the way to Colorado Springs. Didn't have a place to live. Um, I, I, I signed up for uh, a master's degree program and uh, went to school, got a job, met my wife, met some really close friends that ended up me, bringing me out to Kansas City. And so, um, it's crazy how if you really believe that God is calling you to do something, and you take Him up, you take the risk to to, to believe Him and trust Him, and it's crazy, it's crazy what you'll find on the other side of it. And you'll look back and you will go, "Wow, God has blessed me all the way." And it doesn't mean it's not easy. It some it's not hard. I, mean, I still miss living close to home as well, but but it's good and it's His plan. And so. Is God calling you to do something today? Is God called you to go? Maybe God's calling you to go overseas. Maybe God's calling you to move. Maybe God's calling you to change jobs. Maybe he's just calling you to go across the street to your neighbor. What is God calling you to do, and are you willing to do it? Now, Abram isn't perfect, uh, and so we start seeing, uh, when he started seeing potential problems, uh, Abram, uh, he, he chose to come up with his own solutions. and I mean, isn't, that, I mean, isn't that so human of us? Like when when you like so God has this plan, you're going to this promised land. And then, like, ah, it's getting a little sketch. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And we, we we do this. And so this is what happens. He says in Genesis 12, 11, and 13, And as he uh, was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, uh, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they, they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Now, I'll just say this. So he gets into Egypt, uh, get into the Egypt area, and his plan is to be deceptive. His plan is to lie. They ended up figuring out what is going on. He took matters into his own hands, uh, and it, it ended up on the long term working out because God, again, is going to use this man and his family. But it's, it's, it's one of those silly things like, Abr- Abram, what are you doing? Like... Why would you consult the one that called you to go? Like you don't have to lie. He did this twice, actually. And and then and then, you know, he's promised to be the father of these nations, but they're barren, and they don't have any kids. And and you're getting old, and um, and so at one point, they Sarai tells uh, offers his, her servant uh, Hagar to, um, to, to to Abram, and they end up having a baby named Ishmael. And so Abram notoriously puts things into his, not notoriously, but he, he has put things in his own hands as opposed to trusting what God has told him to. Now listen to this in Genesis 17. This is almost like a retelling of Genesis 12, a retelling of the covenant. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make a co- my covenant between me and you, and, and you will in- greatly increase your number. Abram fell face down and said, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make your nation of of you, and kings will come from you. Abraham fell down. He laughed and said uh, to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And so, so we see this. They... They, they, they have already taken matters in their own hands. They already have a son. Abr- Abram's trying to do it his own way. And, and historically, what that ends up leading to is, you know, Ishmael, you can trace Islam back to Ishmael. And then you see Judaism come from his next son, Isaac. Uh, and then Christianity comes out of Judaism as well. And so from that decision, there's a fractured family that didn't have to happen, but it caused based off of the disobedience of Abram not trusting God and his promises as well. So is there something that God has told you to do and you're not trusting him for and you're not following him for as well? Uh, and, and even Abraham, he says, hey, listen, I, God, I've solved this problem for you. There's Ishmael. If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And then God says to him, no, like you, yes, but your, your wife Sarah will bury you a son. He will call him Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Like, look, like there is, there's an everlasting covenant that is, exists in this line. And I have a specific plan and purpose with this family, with you and Sarah. And I'm not changing, he's not changing his mind. This is the way it could go. And, and one of the questions could be is like, could this be, could this actually be the one who sets everything right? Like could this be could could this offspring this boy be the Isaac could he be the one that sets everything right and so we don 't get a ton from Isaac after he 's born other than that we know that he 's born when God says that he is uh, and then and then we get to the story of God calling Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, and this is like a perfect flannel board flannel board flint board felt felt board felt board This is a perfect felt board story for Sunday school I grew up at a Southern Baptist Church uh, every other weekend and we used to have felt boards where they had pictures and you stick them on the wall and I can remember Abraham and Isaac and you remember Jonah and you remember all the little ones right but there's a perfect felt board one but I mean think about this so God has given him this kid he grows up and then after these things God tested Abraham and said to him Abraham he said here I am and take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Wait, hold on. What? All right. So you told me that from this offering from Isaac, there's going to be a blessing. He's not old. He's not. He's a boy. Probably um, could be. He could be middle. Not middle age. Middle teens and stuff like that too. And you're telling me that you don't like. You want me to. You want me to to, to put him. Uh, on, like you want me to sacrifice him as a burnt offering as well? This, this, this chosen son that God promised. Now he's supposed to sacrifice him. That's, that's not how this is supposed to go. Like God, what, what are you doing? Um, how is this supposed to fix everything? How is, how are the nations to be blessed if you kill the one that you said the blessing was going to come from? And so, um, and so um, we see Isaac. They're kind of, they're kind of, they, they go about their way. And Isaac said to his father. My father, he said, here I am. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the land for the burnt offering? So they go travel. They travel for three days. They get to a place where, you know, Isaac's kind of looking around going, we're going to make a sacrifice and pray, but there's like, who's who's the sacrifice? Um, And it's, uh, you ever go camping in the woods with some friends, and if you come across a bear, you might be looking left and right and wondering which one's the bear going to eat. And you're hoping you're faster than your other two friends. Uh, now, I don't, think, I don't know if Isaac thought, like, oh, maybe it's me, uh, potentially, maybe, because there was other uh, child sacrifices that would happen during the day. or um, But he was aware that they did not have a lamb or a ram to sacrifice. and uh, But this is what Abraham says. I love this. He says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. Where's the lamb? God will provide. And, um, and I think that's like, Abraham blows it in other ways, but this is where he really gets his obedience and his faithfulness, right? He is willing to entrust God in this moment. Hey, I don't know what's going on. I've tried to take things in my own hands, but now like, it's almost like old age and resolve has gotten him to a point where it's like, know what I'm going to lean into what I believe God's leading me to. Even if it doesn't make any sense, even if it seems crazy, even if it seems giving up the thing that I want most. And we should learn from his maturity. And so, verse 9, it says, When they came to the place which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife and slaughter, uh, to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here I am. And do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything for now. I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went to the the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that name the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be Provided, and so again, Abraham was faithful. He gets up, he puts his son on the altar. He brings—I mean, the picture is—he's always him holding a knife, like he's about to to to, uh, to to sacrifice him. And there's a stop, Abraham, Abraham, stop! And the angel of the Lord puts a halt to it. And Abraham's faith is correct that God will provide the lamb, and that He does as well. And uh, I love this because Abraham didn't try to come up with his own plan, and this time he, he was obedient. And, you know, I hope that we get to those places in our lives where we can be obedient to God, um, even when it doesn't make sense. We can be obedient to God, and sometimes it's because we've learned from our own failure that obedience is better than our own way as well. And so, but back to Isaac, so after that, it's like, okay, so he's alive he's the future. He's, he's He could be the one, right? He, he might be the one. And he takes a wife named Rebecca who is very beautiful. And what does Isaac do? As he goes into a land, as Isaac settled into a career, what does he do? He does exactly what his father did. And the man placed him about his wife. He said, she is my sister, for he feared to save my wife, thinking the the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca, because she was attractive in appearance. And so Instead, Isaac repeated the sins of his father. This is what he does. Instead, he repeats the sins of his father. And though Isaac foreshadows uh, another son who will eventually lay down his life uh, as a sacrifice, the Lamb of God, the true Lamb of God, who provided the sins of the world, ultimately, the Messiah uh, will be a son who is sacrificed, but it won't be Isaac. It won't be Isaac. And humanity continues to fail. Humanity continues... Uh, to struggle and they continue to wait and they continue to hope because his line continues and he has boys and they continue to have kids and we look for someone in this family who is going to make it right. We look for someone in this family who is going to establish a kingdom that will never end. We're going to look for someone in this family who to, 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 to deal with sin and evil in this world. And so what do we do? So for them, they continue to wait, they continue to live, they continue to try to pursue God and follow Him as best they could. And what do we do? Is that we pursue God, we follow Him, and we sit in this tension because we're on the other side of it. We say, Jesus has come. He has arrived. He's here. He's arrived. And we say, come, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quick because the world is broken and evil and it needs your restoration, your redemption. So restore us. Come, Lord Jesus, would you pray with me? So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this day, and we thank you for the fact that you are the Messiah, God, that you are the anointed one who came to save the world, and we uh, surrender our hearts and minds to you. We put our trust in you that your salvation comes in your name, and we want to follow you, God, that our lives would reflect um, and be, we would be images of you. Uh, and so would you be with us in this season, God, that we'd sit in those tensions, and God, would you put our mindset of of just anxiously, in some ways, waiting for you to show up. We love you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.